Hey guys, this is Alexis. And this is Tremus. And you're listening to More More Wine, Wine, Please. What up, everybody? Welcome back. This is episode three of More Wine, Please. Glad to have you with us. Uh, It has been one hell of a week. And we have some interesting things to discuss with you all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, A very interesting guest this week. And per usual, we're going to start off with (laughs) Sip Happens. So, Alexis. Okay, so a lot of Sip happened this week. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that. I know, me either. This week, I poured my glass for a number of things. I think it was a fairly busy week in politics, pop culture, et cetera, et cetera. Who you telling? It's been a um, long one already, and yeah. it's not even Wednesday yet. In two weeks, because that's the last time that you guys got to hear us. So I'm first pouring my glass for Yara Shahidi. She is an actress from the show Blackish. If you've never watched Blackish, just let's not let's not be friends. Um, it's an amazing show. Um, and she got a spinoff show called Grownish. And it's about her going off to college and like, you know, she's this powerful, biracial, black and Iranian young woman who is just drop dead gorgeous, first of all. And the show she goes to college and it's all about her experiences with her friends and meeting new people. Has a few other uh, stars in it. Chloe and Hallie, uh, Beyonce's protégés. And they are amazing. Hold on. How do you get named Proteges of Beyonce. Where, I mean, where are the records and receipts? Beyonce let them accept her Grammy when she was pregnant. I mean, when she delivered the twins, I think that puts you. So she on accepted level. the Grammy on their behalf. They accepted the Grammy on her behalf. Isn't that what I said? No, you said she accepted the Grammy on their behalf. <laughs> okay, so she's the star. She's regardless, Beyonce. regardless. So she signed them to her record label, Park oh, Records. Okay. That's what yes. I was looking for. She signed them to the label. Okay, my bad. They Go also on. are ambassadors of her brand, Ivy Park. They also are lit AF, basically. Okay. Okay. So the show also features Chloe and Hallie, who are two beautiful black women. It has like um, a gentleman on the show who is Asian, someone who is of Latina, you know, descent. And then there's someone else, like a black man. And then there's someone who's like exploring. I'm just here for it because it's so inclusive, you know, and I'm here for anything that's positive. I think we need more shows that show um, young people doing more than fighting on couches. What show bars. are you shading? Loving everything. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm here for real housewives. Loving everything. <laughs> Don't let get me started. But I'm here for shows that show positivity. And especially for her because she's a phenomenal one, woman. Uh, Michelle Obama actually wrote her recommendation letter for college. So Jesus. she's lit. So anything that she does, I'm here for it. So if you haven't checked out Grownish, check it out. It's really funny. It's a great show so far. I think she's like two episodes in at this point. Oh, she it's also like yeah, it already started airing. Okay, I don't so know it's how pretty I feel good. About that name, but it's whatever. <sighs> okay. What um, else? No, you you go. Oh, you tell want me to go? Tell us why did you pour your glass this week? Before? Okay, I poured my glass this week because I decided to you know bougie up a little bit and do a little bit of reading. Ooh. And, um, you know, Rolling Stone, I guess we subscribed to it at my house. It landed in my lap and I started reading about um, what I'm about to tell you about right now. All right. 
So it was only relevant to me because for New Year's, me and my friend drove to Atlanta for the weekend. And he drives this this two-door Honda Civic. And this is significant because as we were driving, he was telling me about the adaptive cruise control and the semi-autonomous steering. Okay, I drive an 04 Honda, so uh, (laughs) you got to break all that down for me. Okay, so essentially, they might end up changing the laws about texting and driving because this car essentially drove itself. Like Mm. my hands were off the steering wheel. My foot was off the pedal or like the gas or the brake. And I was just, I was a little bored driving. And so I started reading this article about... Not while you were driving though. He means he started reading the article later, guys. Later. And also, let me just put, like this is a Honda Civic. This is not... No shade to my friend, but like... Don't shade the Civic now. Don't shade the Civic, okay? It's a nice little car. Nice. Exactly. I'm just gonna... Nice does not equal luxury. I mean, it's no but I hear you. Exactly, which is what I'm saying. But the fact that this Honda Civic can essentially drive itself says that, like, something big is probably on the horizon in terms of autonomous driving and robotic cars. And so I started reading this article about autonomous trucks, And they were saying how the truck industry is a $700 billion industry. It employs 1.7 million truck truck drivers through the U.S. And that it's actually the most popular job in 29 states in this country. And now, I also want to point out that these are Trump's people, right? Like, these are white men. Or three-fourths of this, you know, population of workers is white men. They are middle-aged. They are middle-income earners. And a lot of them, like, research will show that they did vote for Trump. And I am just want to point out that the article went on to say that autonomous driving, there are predictions that it's going to put, what of it, of the 1.7 million truck drivers, that it'll cut that down to about 200,000 by 2025. And... There's this thing where people tend to vote against their interests and not even realize it. And you would think that Trump would be doing what he says in terms of these being the people who voted for him, these being the people that he said he would help, when really he's been pushing this automotive agenda with Tesla and Uber who have been testing these things and they're all behind it. And many of the truck drivers, you know, just like in the election where people are saying, oh, why are you voting for Trump? Yada, da, da. They're thinking, oh, there's no robot that can replace me. I'd like to see a robot do this, do that, do that, and a third. When really, I think there's concern. There's a reason for concern. There's a reason to be worried. And this probably doesn't affect most of us immediately. But the economic impact that this could have is potentially significant. So I think... While there are all these social revolutions happening, it's probably also important to pay attention to the technological ones as well. Of course. I mean, you know, there's, uh, what's the movie Back to the Future or something about the future Didn't where they show it. the, I've never seen it either, but people oh, always good. See, reference I'm, it as the, like, they say, what would 2017 have looked like? You know, this movie was created however many years ago and there's flying cars, right? Yeah. And it seems absurd, but. Yeah, we're getting closer and closer. Yeah, closer and closer every day. So I'll catch you in the sky. Oh, you like that? Okay. I know. <laughs> a little creepy, but I don't know. <laughs> I'll see you up there. Um, all right. That's it for Sip Happens. I think that 
I think we've got enough. Also, I would like to say for the record, this Michael Wolf book is so salacious. I know. And I don't care whether it's true or not. That man is brilliant for having made his money. Did you pick one up? I did not buy that book. Yeah. No, ma'am. Yeah, I can't. I can't. But uh, it's we'll, we'll available for it. free. Lots of yeah, places. Sure, of course. Work, I mean, mm-hmm. not on the Internet, on Facebook, on PDFs or anything like that. Just, you know, <laughs> in case you want to read in case you were watching. Which I strongly recommend, you know, read for yourself. All right, to be continued. We are here with Rhiannon Walker. The one and only. She is an associate editor at ESPN with The Undefeated. She is Merrill Maid, a UMD College Park, Philip Merrill College of Journalism whoop, whoop, alum. Whoop, whoop, whoop. She's popping. She's a hoop star and she will bust you. You're an associate editor at ESPN mm-hmm. with The Undefeated. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about The Undefeated, like what, what that is and what you do on a day-to-day? Ooh, on a day-to-day, I feel like I'm regularly explaining what the difference between race, race, ethnicity, and nationality is because apparently there are a lot of people that don't know what the differences are. But, you know, that's not my actual job description per <laughs> se. Um, but The Undefeated is ESPN's website on race, sports, and culture. Uh, as you guys have played it out, I am an associate editor, which I don't edit anything except my own pieces, and sometimes I don't even do that that great. That's why I have my boss, Lisa Wilson, who's fantastic. Um, but I write about anything and everything, a lot about history. Um, I don't know if you guys would necessarily, like if someone was to ask you, like, what's something weird about Rhiannon? I don't know if you guys would maybe say this, but a lot of people would say, Rhiannon knows a little bit of something about everything, which mm-hmm. is probably the best thing about my job is that, to their point, I, I know a little bit about everything and sometimes it's the most useless fact ever and sometimes it turns into something really really interesting um like today i wrote about how um alabama's freshman quarterback was the first samoan to be to win the national championship game wow who knew i spent four hours to be on a team that won the net or he is the first one to play in a game and win the national championship. His uncle was actually on the 2004 undefeated Utah team. So, oh wow! Technically, if I was gonna do all that, but Utah didn't win the national championship, so that wouldn't even matter. Yeah. In the situation. Um, looking back at, I mean, I was kind of just searched your name on the website and saw a wide range of like photos and blogs and articles and a lot of different things. Right. Is there anything specifically that? stands out in your memory above the rest that you wrote about or covered? Um, my Dave Roberts story about his family when I went down to Houston and I, you know, they always told us when we were in undergrad that we were going to have to call people cold turkey and just talk to people. Um, and I think one of the best parts about being an extrovert is that that makes my job a little bit easier because that same task is really like a mountain being moved for, I think, introverted friends of mine. Um, but I talked to his family and just asked, can I sit and watch the game with you? And I thought it was going to be a few people. No, we all know how black families are. They brought everybody, 60 people, got a church. They brought a potluck. I brought a cake. We sat together for eight hours. Why? Because the Dodgers and the the Houston Astros wanted to pay a 13-inning game that day. Oh, that's right. I had a flight. That's the issue with baseball these days. It's the (laughs) games that never end. Uh I had a flight at 5 o'clock that morning. That game ended at 2. I took a two-hour catnap woke back up and was right off to the airport but why were you there what was the story so the story was about the fact that um i felt like people hadn't explored a different 
side of Dave. Like, they try to go through Dave to figure out stuff about Dave, and I think Dave is so smart that he could answer questions in a certain way that would, like, kind of cut you off from where you're trying to go. Um, whereas your family, not only do they know you, but they know things about you that you may not talk about because you think, oh, it's not relevant, or, like, you want to be humble about it. And they're like, well, no, like, this is really, really important. Um, so I learned all kinds of things about him, his father, who died last year, um, his mother, his mother is Japanese, his mother and father met in Japan when he was in the military, and I learned about the fact that they, mother and the family couldn't talk because there was a language barrier, so they bought her an afro. They went to a beauty supply store and bought this woman an afro. There's a picture of her with Dave in her lap, wearing an afro, um, and I think that speaks to the kind of people that I was interacting with, like stories like that. Sometimes people say like, oh, I'm a nice person, but a story like that better encapsulates how nice of a person, how accepting, um, how much you got of your way to make someone feel comfortable in a situation where they really can't communicate with you. So that story was because I got tired of seeing the same stuff being written over and over again. I wasn't particularly pleased with some of the stuff I had written because I felt like it was uh, redundant and I felt like I had got to... I really just got to know his family and wrote about what that experience was like. So Rhiannon also uh, went viral, I think you can call it, what? for uh, her comments about Colin Kaepernick. Ah. Uh. Um, there were, her videos were shared like a thousands and thousands of times. Oh, yeah. um, and so what better person to have on to talk about it? Because let's be honest here, we're still talking about it. Oh, we still are talking about so, it. So tell us just... Give us an update on where the NFL protests are today. So right now we're in the NFL playoffs. Um, as the NFL season came to an end, there were still seven players who started the season and finished the season, the whole 17-week season, kneeling or raising their fist or doing whatever in protest of police brutality and racial inequity in communities of color. I'm glad that you said what the protests were for because it's not about a flag. Anyway, guess, continue. You know I get you know I get <laughs> people doing misconstruing it. Um, so they continue. So there were seven of them that continued to do it. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Malcolm Jenkins is not doing that because he orchestrated that seven-year, eighty-nine million-dollar contract with the NFL. That if they stop protesting, then they would give them the money. So take mm -hmm. that for what you will. Um, but other players, this was never about money this was about raising awareness for a problem that is prevalent in communities of color specifically and your interactions with police officers and people that don't get prosecuted and are let off the hook for instance the person that murdered eric garner is still working in the new york police department as we speak and de blasio is talking about how eric garner's memory is going to be honored by new york city you still have her father's killer on the payroll. So right. so much hypocrisy there that these players are speaking for people that can't speak for themselves. And I, I know you guys know one of the first lessons we learned when we got into journalism was about giving a voice to the voiceless, which is all we're supposed to do. It's not about how we feel so much. So it's about giving perspective to these people that otherwise would have no major say in anything otherwise. And nothing would change if we weren't doing our job. So... That is what the players are protesting for. Um, that's why they're going to continue to protest because that work is still not done. These issues are still prevalent, even though we haven't had a Mike Brown or Tamir Rice or Trayvon Martin recently in the news does not mean those issues are not still happening. And they're going to continue to raise awareness until they start to see tangible change in smaller localities and major changes at the national level as well, too. 
Right. I know that aside from the kneeling or any physical act of protest, there was a group of NFL players who wanted to dedicate a month to recognizing social activism. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that has happened that goes beyond the physical that maybe hasn't been covered or that we've missed that is kind of taking steps forward to advance the protests? So that was parts of the Players Coalition, um, of which Michael Bennett was one of the leaders. They wrote a, Tory Smith was also involved, Michael, Malcolm Jenkins, um, and Doug Baldwin as well, too, the Seattle Seahawks. And they wrote this big letter about how they wanted to use a month for activism. Um, we have we have months for breast cancer awareness. Mm-hmm. We have weeks for militarism in the NFL. Um, why not? It's something that, I mean, there's, especially right now with the current president in office, there's plenty to be active about if you really want to be honest about it. So that was, I think, is a good idea. And I think that people, I think people that maybe would listen to players would learn something that they didn't already know. Of course, the same people that don't like the protesting aren't going to like it in another form, wrap it up in activism or any other fancy term. They're still not going to like it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to continue to be close-minded. And that's unfortunate. Um, but I think it would actually be a good thing. I think that you can stand to learn a lot from somebody that doesn't have the same experiences from you and you get a different perspective on a matter. Outside of that, players have do- donated money. Um, and not, not even just NFL players, but Major League Baseball players, NHL players like um, JT Brown, who's for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's gone out and he's donated money to having Confederate statue taken down in Tampa. Um, he's gone through police training exercises to see what all it takes to, or what it would look like simulated to uh, be a police officer for a day. You should see the video of him like trying to run up on an active shooter in a car. It was not good. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, they're out there. There are players that have been out in the community with their noses down just doing the work this whole time. And they've never sought attention in the midst of this. There are others that are using this as a conversation piece to get more people involved and to bring people in and be like, hey, look, you come out and you do this for a day and you see what I'm talking about when I talk about these issues. Because right now I feel like when I talk about it, it's just a piece to like that you hear go in one ear and out the other. But I feel like if you were to actually interact with these people, you might have a different change of heart, basically. So between money to donations, time, um, discussing it in the media like Eric Reed, who is the safety for the San Francisco 49ers, who continues to use information, historical information, context to explain what all is taking place right now. There are a lot of players that are still doing work to make these changes. So there was a bit of a people's movement behind all of this, right, that started um, regular people like uh, me and you who don't play in the NFL, right, to get behind this movement and to make a difference by not watching any NFL game mm-hmm. the entire season. That's correct. What do you think about that? Do you think that that's useful? Do you think that that um, helps in any way? Or is it just simply a way to make you feel good about yourself, to be quite honest? Oh, no. It makes people, it makes uh, owners nervous. It, there was an NFL story that came out, I think it was November, maybe in October, I don't remember exactly, um, where owners were talking about how they are losing money over the situation, how Roger Goodell should have had this. This nipped in the bud. Pa- and I'm sure you guys heard about how Papa Don's like, this should have been nipped in the bud. Like, we're losing this. Yes. And the owners are shook Yeah, the right shook now. is an understatement to the point that Bob McNair, the Texans owner, commented, we can't let the inmates run the asylum. It, yeah. 
that <laughs> a league 70 percent black you want to say inmates uh, we talk about police brutality as the main issue here uh, mm, yeah that wasn't good just so out of touch oh so out of touch and papa john's your pasta sauce tastes like medicine so. <laughs> shade, shade, shade. i would rather have domino's pan pizza just saying um and actually i'm from maryland so i really want litos um <laughs> All that to be said, no, 9.7% of viewership went down for the NFL this year. You have their attention. And the thing is, is that a lot of people who don't agree with the protest will say people aren't watching because of the protest. Some people aren't watching because they're protesting. That's the, like, that's the point. There right. are people that will not, sub, like, that will not put aside their morals to watch a game. At the end of the, and the thing is, is what makes Personally, what makes me feel bad is that, like, I don't really watch football unless my job has asked me to do it or it would be something that's relevant, historical, whatever have you. I don't spend a whole bunch of my time watching football. Um, but that's, that said, uh, it's one of those things where it's like they had issues with how they handled domestic violence. And I could have stopped watching football over that. CTE, brain injuries. I mean, we have seen players literally kill themselves. Junior Seau. Killed, put a bullet through his heart so his brain could be looked at. And that wasn't even the first time he tried to kill himself. He succeeded that time, but that wasn't the first time he tried to kill himself. Mm -hmm. um, and I could have stopped watching as a result of that. So why it took my blackness being attacked for me to get to a point where I was like, you know, this just isn't for me. That makes me feel bad because there are people that are being affected by CT emotionally, socially, um, mentally, especially. And I should have stopped at that point or the way that they've handled domestic violence. I could have stopped there because as a, like just as a woman, I'm like, this should not be complicated. It shouldn't be so complicated. And yet y'all struggle with this regularly. They would have brought Colin Kaepernick back into the NFL by now if he had beaten a woman versus what he did. I'm not telling you this because I want to be facetious or anything else in between literally greg hardy was on the dallas cowboys team yeah there's proof there are yeah. players who have been who have gone through that process of being you know accused of domestic violence who have been brought back in when colin kaepernick is still unemployed i mean i could bring up josh brown the kicker for the giants who the owner was like you know we really want to the owner and the um the head coach were like we want to support him in this hard time he literally wrote about how he abused his wife on 20 separate occasions. But so do you think there's a breaking point? We I mean you've already brought up the issues of CTE and the length that these high impact collisions that the NFL, mm -hmm. you know, brings about like what what that does to people yeah. and the domestic violence issues and the protest, the viewership is down. There's a lot of things There there was a an article that I read that mm -hmm. said that 2017 in the NFL will be described as the year where the issues were everything having to do with stuff that happened off the field. Yes. And I guess I'm just wondering how football survives. Like, is there a breaking point at which one or all of these issues becomes too much for this sport to survive? Well, I mean, one of my coworkers, David Dennis, wrote a big piece in the middle of the year, last year, middle of the fall, excuse me, about how Football is on the verge of becoming baseball in the sense that we all agree that football is the most popular sport in America. Yeah, that's true. Basketball has creeped its way up to being 365, 24-7. It embraces the culture of the players that are playing it. They kicked out an owner without hesitation that was clearly racist. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They have protest. They were going to protest that game. That was, I think, it was 2013, 2014, where the Warriors and the Los Angeles Clippers were not going to come out 
if Donald Sterling was not expelled from the NBA. A whole mm-hmm. game four, no less. Do you think the they were willing to take a, to not get paid that day for a bunch of fans, I'm sure, to be furious playoff game for the principle of the matter. You better believe it. Your bottom dollar, they got rid of Donald Sterling for other reasons outside of that, but that one certainly is a big one. Um, but these things are going to eventually come back to bite the NFL. The way that not only just with black people, for instance, they want to make this big thing about Mexico, but you've got seven owners that donated a million dollars to a guy that's talking about how Mexico is going to build this wall, pay for this silly-ass wall. Um, <laughs> not the silly-ass wall. <laughs> this, this trivial this little wall he's talking about. And Mexico's not paying for a dime. And he knows it. Yeah, and he, he keeps walking back on that every day. Well, the people, the, those among us who aren't stupid, dumb, or deaf, or don't, like you're deaf, or whatever have you, like, we know that that's what it was always going to come back to because has there anything he said that he's not gone back on yet outside of Right. His- it's whenever something like this happens, I say, oh no, I would have been more surprised if he had actually told the truth. <laughs> I mean, he's even gone back on DACA halfway at this point. I, I mean, in, yeah. in, a, in favor of his opposition, right. which is very strange. I mean, I mean, he goes back on candidates who don't win. Like, he's just, any, but so. All that to say, like, the NFL makes a big push about this New Mexico game they have. The NFL has said nothing about what's happening with our relationship to Mexico. Not at all. When, if you're saying that that's a big deal for you, that group of people is something that you want to cultivate and mine monetarily, maybe you should grow a spine. Maybe you will find that there will be more people that will, in the long run, be accepting and come to the game if you show some sort of a moral compass versus trying to stay out of a situation and people coming back and saying like, well, you know, you said this was important to you, but your actions don't show all that much. You care about the money. We know right. that. But you don't care about the people. Don't don't try to make it seem like you do. You don't. Just call it what it is. It's a money venture. And I mean, I think people will stick with you more if you're just honest about it. Don't say like, well, we care about what's happening with Mexico and da da da. You don't. Honesty is key. The wow. truth will set you free. Like so, so Colin Kaepernick has filed a case for collusion against the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, Trey nor myself are neither of us are well versed in the stats of football, mm-hmm. perhaps as much as you might be. Mm-hmm. So explain to us, based on his stats compared to other quarterbacks, mm-hmm. how strong do you think his case is? That his unemployment is strictly related to um, his protest and the movement that he has started as a player. Okay, I'll give you a, a great example. Jimmy Garoppolo, the new starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. He has almost equal stats to Colin Kaepernick. Slightly more interceptions. Colin Kaepernick, when he went out of the NFL, he had 16 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, 90.7 QB rating. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think it was 15 touchdowns, three interceptions or somewhere along those lines, and about the equal passer rating. But Jim, and then Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. I mean, he's literally been wasting away on the New England Patriots bench, waiting in case Tom Brady gets injured, which he never does, um, <laughs> because he gets put in a deep freeze like Walt Disney, apparently. Um, 
what? That's a, it's a, it's a Are you joke. talking about like a, the ice bat, like that, the, the severe, yeah, like that, the like thing, like they put like people in, like like uh, what's the face? I'm trying to think of what it's called, but like, like the uh, freezer tube yeah, to like, where you're yeah, like, like a... they just keep them frozen and everything. So, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a whole. Joke. That's is a this joke. a real rumor or this is, it's like they have people like celebrities supposedly that are actually like freezing themselves. Well, not freezing themselves like they they like have what's the word I want like they cryogenically freeze people cryotherapy. Oh. I think I've yeah, heard of no, that before. I have heard of this. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, let's not get too far off. We I'm can talk get, about Tom Brady I'm at the end. Maybe. Off. I'm not gonna get too far off. Obviously, he's a, Tom Brady's the god. Whatever, have you? Um, so Jimmy G is now the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Everyone is praising Jimmy G for what he has done, and that is fantastic. Colin Kaepernick with. I think it was the 26 best wide receivers when he was playing his final year, made had all those stats. He had a four to one ratio, touchdowns, interceptions. Um, he still could run the ball, what have you. They didn't have a defense when he was playing, and as it relates to the quarterback crop that is currently sitting in the NFL right now, they literally pull guys off the street. I'm not even kidding you. They they pull people that hadn't played for one two years. That like, it was almost like how insulting of a person can we bring in. To like really like drive it home for him, like how 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 low can we go? Kind of a situation, right? Guy I, who's working at Walmart right now, sure, bring him in. He played a few <laughs> years in college, like five years ago. Sounds about right to me. Um, I mean, it just. I know. I I always think back to watching him um, when he took over in his first season, mm-hmm. and they went, they went to the um, the Super Bowl. Next season. Oh, you mean oh, like you mean season? like when he came in as a backup, or you mean like when yeah, he when he came in as a backup. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that the year they or no? That was the NFC Championship. Oh, mm-hmm. oops. See, that's why Rihanna's here. <laughs> oh, it's, all, it's all good. It's no, all good. I just remember yeah, playing him in the cha- seeing him play in a championship game mm-hmm. and watching him hold his own. Mm-hmm. And every time these conversations come up, like I don't know the stats, but objectively as a viewer, I see him as someone who is at least at least good enough. To be someone's backup. Yes, that's what everyone keeps saying. Right? Like, So where does Colin go from here? Because, I mean, I try to follow him via Sean King, who's an amazing, amazing reporter. Mm-hmm. You guys should all follow him. Um, oh, we know Sean King. Yeah, Sean. he's amazing. If you don't follow him, follow him. And he's been kind of keeping up with Colin and all that he's doing in his community and mm-hmm. a lot of the... Um, you know, campaigns that he's started and the money he's donating. Mm-hmm. And he's been rather silent in, 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 a, in a powerful way, mm-hmm. in the sense that he's letting his actions speak louder than his words. You know what I mean? Which I think is very powerful. He's right. out there. He's still working. He's yes. still campaigning. He's saying, you didn't hire me. That's fine. I'm still going to donate my money. You know, right. I am still going to work from behind the scenes off the field which Mm -hmm. is so powerful and so necessary and i think a lot of people should take note of that but where does he go from here so he's got the conclusion case right now they've requested his lawyers have requested the emails and text messages of several of the owners um those who have shown that they aren't a fan of his protests and those who haven't had who haven't at least outwardly shown an issue um and so at this point we're going to see what he does with this collusion case. I mean, I'm very interested to see how this whole thing turns out because you have to, without a, without a, like, what's the word, um, without any kind of doubt, without reasonable doubt, prove that these owners colluded. In order to collude, people have to... Yeah, there's like a high burden of right, like there's, proof. There's a high burden of proof, and I mean, it's hard to prove if, like, for instance, these conversations took place, like, face-to-face, and they weren't, like, emails or electronic co- communication. Um, 
So it's hard in the sense that if, you know, let's say you have the audio, like with Donald Sterling, great. You have probably broken your case wide open. Um, otherwise, you know, saying that obviously the caliber of the quarterbacks that they were bringing in was not that of what I produced in any of the seasons that I played, um, that doesn't necessarily – I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to pretend to be a lawyer. To right. me, it appears as though that would not hold water. But I'm not a lawyer, so maybe they find some magical way to make that thing work. I don't know. But I'll be interested to see how it turns out because the other thing is that, you know, he has a collusion case – and people are like, you know, Colin, you can't sue a league. And then they try to bring you back in type of a situation. Um, <laughs> right. It's kind of like burning the bridge. Yeah, well, there's that. But, I mean, at this, some of them, he already burned the bridge. Right. The bridge, is, the bridge is already burnt. Right. So. Them burnt up. If I'm going to burn a bridge, I'm going to make it look sexy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're, we're hoping for the best for Colin in that 2018. Is the best thing I've to heard be all continued. Year. To be continued. We'll be watching. We're talking about the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball. Of those three sports, there is one which has had an openly gay player. Mm-hmm. His name is Jason Collins. Mm-hmm. And a year after he came out, a year and a half after he came out to his teammates, he retired, and this is what he said. There are still no publicly gay players in the NFL, NHL, or Major League Baseball. Believe me, they exist. Every pro sport team has them. I know some of them personally. When we get to the point where a gay pro athlete is no longer forced to live in fear that he'll be shunned by his teammates or outed by tabloids, where he plays while his significant other waits in the family room, where he's not compelled to hide his true self and is able to live an authentic life, then coming out won't be such a big deal. But we're not there yet. Do you think that there is or ever will be a place for homosexuality in professional sports? Mm. Which sports are we talking about? Because I was about to say, in women's sports, it's no big deal. Yeah. We don't care. Girls don't <laughs> care. We don't. If a guy is gay. Yeah. The men do. And I can even say personally, it tends to be a lot of black men. I can say that. I mean, but that's that's my opinion. Uh, we're here to hear what you have to say. So that's what you see <laughs> it, now. You open the door. I know. I'm just, and I guess in sports specifically, it's uh, these sports that we're talking about the in the NBA, mm-hmm. NFL, dominated by this black male masculinity. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a coincidence that it's one of the last few places that it's not really okay. Mm-hmm. I just want to add to that black men. And of course let's, I'll open it up. I'll say a lot of mm, not black evangelical Southern black people have different opinion. A lot of times about homosexuality. Cause I, it's a very Bible belt, the very Christian faith-based area and they will use that as an explanation now of course there's exceptions atlanta new orleans you could find an exception to the rule in the south there but you get outside of those major cities and well you have alabama you have roy morris well you sure yeah. do and they aren't with it so georgia florida yeah. mississippi yeah. yeah like don't let the big <laughs> cities fool you it's just like you know um and the other thing is that i'd say black men are interesting because they they hate not all of them. There are a lot of them that don't feel comfortable around black gay men, but like 
you know all these men got a dyke in their life somewhere. And I sit there like, what, <laughs> what gives? It, what gives? Um, of course, these are the same black men that think a woman can't turn them down because they think they're hot stuff. And um, they also think these black men can't keep their hands off. I'm like, actually, neither one of us wants you. That's, <laughs> that's the gag. Neither and also, like, while we're on that topic, like, it's not just black men, right? It is probably largely tied to religion. And a lot of black families, like the foundation is in the church, but Mm -hmm. especially in the South as well, like with white families, the same thing is true. They will talk to you about your homosexuality before they talk about the creepy uncle. The creepy uncle will come to all the parties. We all know the creepy uncle, but you have an issue with cousin Ned's yay son. Really? 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 There was a Time's Up um, initiative at the Golden Globes this Mm -hmm. past week. There has been the Me Too movement. There has been this huge push for against sexual harassment in the workplace. Will we see in our lifetime, and that's that's hopefully God willing in the long time, um, (laughs) an initiative as such in the NFL, in the NBA, in in major sports leagues? Will there be a whatever the hashtag will be that says? I don't know. I'm out and talented. I don't know what it's going to be. But will we see that? You know, that's a... So to answer the both of your questions, I don't know which one of these two, which one of these leagues is going to be the one that eventually players are just going to feel comfortable. Um, as we know, football is the most hyper-masculine, probably followed by, I'd say, hockey, um, NBA, and then baseball. I'd say, yeah. like, that's your order of hyper-masculinity. I mean, don't forget, hockey players will walk around with no teeth and be super happy about it. Um <laughs> In our lifetime, that comes down to media representation. Um, one of the things that, um, and Trey, I'm, sh- I'm sure you could speak to this, is that when it comes to representation of people of color, especially in the LGBT community, they play a lot of stereotypes. So, like, for black women, there's always, like, it feels like a dyke and a femme, and there's so many more relationships than that. So people only think that that's the only kind of relationship, but then they'll meet, like, someone like me and Amber, and they're like, y'all are both pretty, though. And I was like... Yeah, the more to look at, I guess. But, you know, so whatever. Yeah. Um, or with men, they make them seem as though they are always so effeminate. And yeah, there are black men that are effeminate, and that's cool. And there are ones that you would never know. And I would literally be sitting there. I would literally be sitting there drinking my tea, looking at you, thinking it's like you think you've got it all figured out. And I'm like, mm, they play on my team, not yours. <laughs> but until we get to a point where. Not only there's the media representation, but the people that are writing about these topics don't play to these stereotypes and old adages. We are not going to get anywhere. And so if these same people that are playing these sports only see that one cookie cutter mold of like what they think um, a black gay man will look like or what a black gay woman will look like, um, they're going to continue to have these thoughts. Well, like, well, that guy's going to hit on you. Well, no, they, they may not. Like, you really may not be their type. Um, and or they may be your teammate who's super hyper-masculine, the guy you at least expect because you think that the only type of gay black men are the ones that, you know, talk about how Beyonce is their bitch and, like, go, yes. The ones who say, yes, Gaga. Ah, yes, Gaga. The ones that wear highlight or whatever have you. You think, and also you think those same men are men that are, like, in drag, and that's not the same thing either. So you (laughs) really need to educate yourself. Um... And that's hard. I mean, shoot, what? Um, do you remember Glee, like Santana and Britney, or like Pretty Little Liars with Emily and Maya? Glee, like, yes, but I didn't watch the other one. Yeah. 
Jeez. Okay, well, the point I'm getting at is that these were relationships with women that um, could kind of, like, go any way, which way, whatever they wanted. So they could be more tomboyish if they wanted to. They could be more feminine if they wanted to. Um, it just depends on how they felt. And that's good because a lot of time with, like, gay people, sometimes, like, how we go present ourselves is... It's just how we feel. Mm-hmm. So straight people. That's why they used to say, what, metrosexuals, men who like to dress nicely, because the idea of the guy that was fashionable that didn't have a term for, like, how he was so fashionable, but kind of, like, playing around with femininity, like... Right. I don't know how these men ever listen to Prince. I really don't know. Oh, Prince my take God. All if you just look back at Prince... Yeah. I've looked back at Prince and been like, but wait. <laughs> <I'm> right. <laughs> wait a second. So, long answer to short question is that but we hey. need different media representation to get to a point, I think. And I think people just need to be more open-minded because at the end of the day, ain't nobody want you. I think that's important. I think that's a very important point that you bring up. I've never really thought about it that way. But I agree that if we changed the um, stereotype of, you know, what a gay man looks like and that a gay man can look like a 300-pound linebacker, then we can talk about the conversation of... Uh, gay men in sports i also think it's important for people to come to a point where they're accepting of things that are just different right on a fundamental level it's much more palatable for you to accept a gay man who looks like a 300 pound linebacker than it does for you to accept a gay man who looks like Nicki minaj Mm -hmm. right like a lot of people will say oh, if you're going to be gay, be a man about it or something like that, something ridiculous like that. But it, it shouldn't be about... It shouldn't be about that. Like, live and let live. Like, my philosophy is live and let live until it affects me. Like, I'm not trying to infringe on anyone. Like, And you don't have to accept me as a gay man. You know what I mean? But I'm living... You live in, we can live in our differences. You know what I mean? But I think that you are affecting me. And in this realm, if we're talking about sports, Mm -hmm. your homophobia is affecting me. My well-being, my happiness. Right. And my aspirations. It's just like in certain realms, like for certain things, like being president, like we were talking about earlier. Some people wouldn't think that they could be president because they were gay or because they were black, or because they were whatever. Some people probably aren't trying to go to the NFL or the NBA because they're gay. And so that's just very against that. Anyway, Rhiannon, the bombest, the baddest, the bestest. The top 10 black female journalists in sports, <laughs> according to a Rolling Out magazine, <laughs> is lit. Rhiannon, where so can we find you? Oh, man. So you guys can find me on Facebook at Rhiannon, R-H-I-A-N-N-O-N. Walker. You guys can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and or Snap at Instant Replay. And that's re R H I play because I cover sports. Instant Replay is in pretty much all sports. So I see what you did there. You know, gotta keep it original, mix it up. So that's where you can find me. You could probably also find me arguing with someone in my mentions about how they don't know what race, ethnicity, and nationality is, and about why I'm talking about the first black this, that, and the third as well, too. Because that's what they come in my mentions for, to be schooled. We'd like to thank Rhiannon so much for being a guest on our show. Yes, absolutely. Come back soon. We would love to have you again. 
And thanks so much also to everyone out there who's listening. Make sure you find us on iTunes. Hit that subscribe button. Also, check us out on Instagram at More Wine Podcast. And hit us up on our website. Check out the blog. Listen there if you like. And uh, tune in two weeks from now to hear our next episode. Sure to be great. Thanks so much for listening. See you guys. Peace.